show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pops, blue ribbon! You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. Money, 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 money! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Son of a bitch. Stole mine. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> And we're back. This is WTM Watch This Movie. I am your host, Eric Mulder. Eric, he is a bad, bad man. I was reminded today of your your long-forgotten nickname, Movie Maniac Mulder. <laughs> uh, long-forgotten because it was never remembered in the first <laughs> place. I'll see Chad, and he has like a new girl with him like every three months or so. Yeah. Or less than that. And he goes, this is Mulder. I call him, call him movie maniac Mulder. <laughs> like, that's so he introduces me to everyone. And he expects like it's. He's trying to make it happen. <laughs> it is not. Because that was years ago. A couple he, years ago. He told me uh, that he would come back on the show if five people tweeted out, hashtag, we want the Chad. <laughs> so if you want the Chad back, you just need five of you. <laughs> To tweet out, hashtag, we want the Chad. Well, we should let those five people in on a little something. We're not keeping Chad away from the show. <laughs> he just doesn't come on. He, he <laughs> said he can't say no to the fans. So uh, <laughs> if you want him back, hit up the twi- the Twitter machine and uh, you know send out that hashtag. Well, uh, I guess you can do it if you want to, but maybe he'll come back, maybe you won't, but... I, I hope he's a man of his word. <laughs> and he said uh, it doesn't count if the other hosts on his show are the ones tweeting him out. So, Well, en- enough about the chat. What about Wolfie T? Wolfie T's in the his house. Wolfman's got nards. Yeah. Back, still got nards. Still do. Glad you haven't lost Till him. Till the day I die. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, you might lose one along the way. I hope not. I don't think that kind of cancer runs in my family, but then the accidents do happen. Well, yeah, that was the thing. Like, I'm trying to figure out if it was unique to like my town growing up. It might be an urban legend in like every school out there, where there was a rumor amongst the guys in my school that one of our classmates was missing a testicle because he had lost it during a basketball game when like a pencil or pen like stuck him in the balls in a basketball game. Yeah. Why did he have a pen or a pencil? Wasn't it, it he, like he landed on somebody? It was in somebody else's pocket, and then like. <laughs> but I swear that was also like the plot of a TV show or movie. That's quite far fetched. Yeah, like some weird it might accident. Be. It might be in a mo- from a movie or TV show. But yeah, I was also thinking like, well, if it's from there, then it could just be like an urban legend type thing where kids are spreading rumors about other kids. That that guy's missing a ball. Let me tell you. I know, uh, I think I was in ninth grade on the basketball team, and uh, there was a kid on the team that twisted his testicle, and uh, yeah, 
he was out of commission for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> had to had to ice that down. Well, don't get it twisted. You want a? Uh, you're doing good. Just move it a little. There you go. Should be good. You it's can tighten loose. it a little bit. I tried to. It's it's a little loose. Good. Are we good? I think we're good. Should I yell <laughs> for the rest of the episode? I don't think my voice can hold out when I'm talking this loud. Just a little bit for the cheap seats, okay? I can't hear you up there. Aye, aye. All right. Well, enough about balls. Let's talk about the Prowler. Prowler. Not the Plymouth Prowler. Plymouth Prowler. Never even heard of such a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. It was a car. Back when Plymouth was still kind of making vehicles. Yeah. Yeah, that would be when the Prowler was around. I don't know. It was, uh, I know they brought it back like in the late 90s and it looked like it was from the 50s or 60s or something. It was like an old style looking. Did it have executioner doors? I don't know. Uh, Butterfly doors? No. No, it had, uh, it was just like an old cruiser looking thing. Not a PT cruiser looking thing, but it. It's like an old school, uh, you know, sports car type thing. But enough about the Plymouth Prowler. (laughs) Let's talk about the Prowler. Yes, from 1981, directed by Joseph Zito, who would later go on to direct Friday the 13th Part 4. The Uh, final chapter. So you don't need to watch after that one. (laughs) Well, you got to watch six. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's right. They made like, what, five more? Six more? Like eight more. <laughs> Six more, plus a crossover, plus a reboot. Mm-hmm. So The Prowler stars Vicky Dawson as Pam McDonald, Christopher Goutman, or Gutman as Mark London, Lawrence Tierney as Major Chatham, uh, Farley Granger as Sheriff George Frazier, Cindy Weintraub as Lisa, Lisa Dunsheath as Sherry, David Setterholm as Carl. Bill Nunnery as hotel clerk. <laughs> Tom Bray as Ben. Let's see who else in here. Oh, shit. Ralph Garman is a party extra in the 1945 scene, uncredited. I noticed that. I didn't. That's cool. I don't know if I could pick him out in the movie, but. Yeah. It's a name I recognize. All right. Storyline. An unknown killer, clad in World War II U.S. Army fatigues, stalks a small New Jersey town bent on reliving a 35-year-old double murder by focusing on a group of college kids holding an annual spring dance. So, can you really can you recall an annual sp- spring dance after the first time? What do you mean? Well, like, uh, they didn't have it for 35 years. Can you still call it annual uh, when it's the first one in 35 years? Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a tricky one since they did do it for so long. And then and I'm guessing they didn't have one after 1980. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. Yeah. I don't know what you do there. Well, in any case, uh, when did you see the Prowler the first time and what did you think of it? It must've been, well, when did you get it? Cause I, I, I remember I watched it and I told you about it and either you had just seen it and were about to get it or you uh, had it on order 
you had just picked it up. One of the one of I those. I think I got it at Disland. Um, I bought it a little over a year ago. I think it was in preparation for last year's horror extravaganza. Yeah. So I I think I I first watched it right around that same time that you had gotten it because I remember we talked about it, and you're like, oh yeah, I just got that or something like that. So I thought it was. Uh, I remember liking it, especially the special effects mm-hmm. were fucking amazing. Tom Savini is a golden god in this movie. I mean, especially for 1981, like practical effects, everything looks pretty fucking real. Yeah, holds up. Yeah, it looks way better than a lot of the CGI shit that they put out today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really a lost art. Yeah, some of the IMDb trivia are little fun facts. Uh, Tom Savini apparently considers this his best work, but there's also a caveat to that because I think we've even done two or three movies where the trivia has said something similar to that. Yeah. I remember in Texas Chainsaw 2... Apparently he was quoted as saying that the makeup for Grandpa in Texas Chainsaw 2 was his best work, or maybe that was his best singular, you know, makeup job. Maybe. And maybe that's, he's considering it more of makeup, and this one's more special effects. So I don't know what to think. Yeah. There's like two, three movies where he's like, yeah, that's my best work. Well, it's hard to fault him for being proud of this one, because mm-hmm. it's really, really good. And he's uh, he's the prowler in the death scenes, which is kind of cool to find out. So yeah. I didn't realize. Good. Fun fact for you. Um, Tom Savini was brought in to do special makeup effects after he finished working on another slasher film, Maniac. Uh, Savini did all of the prowler's kills wearing the prowler costume in each death scene. Uh, in eight, 1984, he returned with Joseph Zito for Friday the 13th, the final chapter. And he helped Jason actor Ted White with the death scenes in that film. Uh, the Prowler was actually played by three different people. Assistant director Peter uh, Giuliano uh, stalked around and chased the victims. Tom Savini wore the uniform to perform the close-up shots of the kills because he actually kind of like knew how to perform the effects. Yeah. I'm sure it was a pretty touchy like process trying to make that stuff look real and then like because it, it has to work for the camera. Yeah. You don't get that many shots at this stuff. It's probably a good idea to have the guy who knows what he's doing actually do it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to having some actor who may or may not be doing it exactly right and then having to set it up over and over again and just ruining the shot. Yeah. And then uh, Farley Granger, he was in for the unmasking scene at the end. So this is the AD yeah. walking around. Savini making the kills, and then Farley Granger getting unmasked. Which I don't, I don't know if they said it anymore, but it's possible that they didn't tell anybody in the cast who the prowler was going to be until the big reveal. Mm-hmm. And having the assistant director in the costume kind of keeps that secret going. Yeah, uh, it kind of builds the suspense because you don't really know. And there are some pretty prime suspects in this movie of who it could be. A lot of creepers. And uh, I think the first time I watched it, I'm like, you know, there's like every like 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, now I think that guy's the prowler. No, <laughs> no, it's definitely that guy. No, it can't be that guy. It's, who is it? 
And then, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised at the end. I had heard through the grapevine that this was one of Tom Savini's better films, you know, for makeups and special effects. Um, so I sought it out. I watched it and I was not disappointed. Special effects are amazing in here. And I think that's what really seals it. I mean, it's, it is kind of original because when you think of slasher movies or horror movies in general, like this is a weird setup with the, it starts out with the yeah. Queen Mary, like we'll get to the clips in a little bit here, but, and then you have a, a former like army vet stalking people and army fatigues. Yeah. But he has a pitchfork. Yeah. Which Some is, of the time, yeah. Otherwise, he's using like a bayonet or yeah, he's yeah. Which the pitchfork doesn't really fit with the army motif, but uh, you get some good kills with the pitchfork. <laughs> it's resourceful, if nothing else. Yeah. Unrequited love. That's <laughs> what it is. Um, like you mentioned, they they start with the what the Queen Mary is what you said. Yeah, let's get to and, the clip. Uh, this is the. Uh, set up for the movie that they the yeah. background they provide yeah the first time i watched it i they started the scene and i thought i had the wrong movie on <laughs> the opening is a flashback to 1945 when all the troops come home yeah there's a dance right after that so here's the news bulletin the queen mary the greatest passenger liner in the world brings home the greatest human cargo new york harbor has ever seen Almost 15,000 troops get an eager glimpse of the U.S. of A. Past the towers of Manhattan steams the 83,000-ton British liner. These victorious GIs have done their duty. They answered their country's call, left their jobs, their families, their sweethearts, and beat the Nazi tyranny on a thousand battlefields. For some, the psychological victims of war, it will be a long road back. These men will need time to rebuild the lives they set aside when Uncle Sam called. For others, the GIs of the Dear John letters, it means starting over, replacing what they have lost. They faced one challenge and won. They can win this one, too. Welcome home. Let dancing replace marching. Yeah, nobody wants to get one of those John Deere letters. <laughs> those things will wreck your life. So, yeah, right after that, they go into this Dear John letter from Rosemary to her... To her sweetheart. Yeah, who's about to come back. Of course, she doesn't know it when she writes it, but I just have a note here. I was like, Rosemary is a real bee. Right? <laughs> she says, I know I promised to, to wait for you, but uh, you've been gone for way too long, so I, I've moved on. Yeah. As we find out, uh, dear John, uh, didn't take it too well. <laughs> so then it gets to the dance, 1945, a graduation dance, correct? Yes. Do you have the names? Well, it's Rosemary. I think it was uh, Roy was her her uh, boyfriend or whatever that uh, she shows up with. Uh, yeah, they uh, they eventually sneak off to uh, like a pier or a gazebo. Mm-hmm. Like out in the lake or something. I think it was. It wasn't on the lake, but I think it was by a lake. Yeah, or the ocean, if you will. There or was just a gazebo. They were, they were yeah. by the the water somewhere, and uh, it's got like not Christmas lights, but like white lights, like mm-hmm. Christmas strand stranded lights. Is that a word? Stranded. You know the stranded lights. Light strands. 
String lights? String lights. I don't know. Do people say string lights? They're like Christmas lights, but not for Christmas. Let us know, folks. Hashtag stranded lights. Hashtag string lights. <laughs> How do you say it? I don't think... Stranded sounds like he just left them somewhere. <laughs> stranded lights. <laughs> but uh, so they're making out in the gazebo, and uh, somebody cuts the lights. And uh, Rosemary's like, oh, maybe we should go back. And Roy says... Uh, you know, don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? <laughs> and Rosemary's like, that was different. But he's like, come on, let's just do it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> what did she say? I couldn't control myself or something? I couldn't help myself. Oh, yeah, I couldn't like, help myself. That was different. I couldn't help myself. And then uh, she's like, what if, what if somebody sees us? And Roy's like, come on, let's just do it. Let's, let's just do it. So they start making out again, and then... Uh, and that was our first glimpse of the prowler. With Looking his, badass with a pitchfork. With his pitchfork. Got his hood all the way zipped up over his face for some reason. You gotta conceal his identity now. Yeah. And uh yeah. So he 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 uh he comes up upon our uh happy couple and uh sticks a pitchfork through them. Which was pretty impressive. And takes a stand for dear John's everywhere. Yeah. This this aggression will not stand. It's pretty impressive. He pressed a pitchfork through two people and killed them both. And then he left a uh, rose behind mm-hmm. uh, in her hand. Just a, you know, gentle soul, the prowler, <laughs> leaving roses. Yeah, which they talk about later. That's how they, of course, knew that it had to have been someone that knew Rosemary, Rosemary that you know, they called her Rose or Rosie. So that's why he left a rose in her hand. You know, so it wouldn't have been a stranger that killed her. It had to have been someone that knew her. I was thinking about that when she brought that up later, when Pamela brought that up later. And I'm like, well, if everybody called her Rosemary or Rose, so you're just saying it's somebody from the town. And that doesn't really narrow it down at all. Yeah. Like, oh, it's somebody that knew that they called her Rose. Hey, it could have been a prowler from another town. <laughs> He was done prowling it up at his town. He's like, I'm going to go ahead to the next one over, start some shit. That's true. But so, yeah, it just narrows it down to the town, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Not much, but uh, it's a good lead. Or anybody. Anybody any, she's any, ever any, introduced any, herself to. <laughs> anybody that, like, she knows. Yeah. Or, like, other, her friends know, like, even out of town. Like, that's Rose over there. Oh, I, you don't say. I'm going to put a rose in her hand after I murder her, because I know her name is Rose. That uh, Like, how do they even know that the rose is connected? It could just be a dude dropping roses on people. Well, he didn't give one to the guy. It just left it in her hand. Well, maybe he only had one rose, and you didn't <laughs> think the guy was going to be out there. <laughs> what did you think of the MC there? Like, the leader of the band. He was. He had some one-liners. I think I that was Major here, Chatham, but... is... is he was up there uh, working the crowd, talking about Benny Goodman. <laughs> and as we find out later, Major Chatham is Rosemary's father. Yeah. So that's how it kind of connects in the beginning and throughout and we, the film. We also find out that after the 1945 dance, Major Chatham made sure that they didn't hold that dance again for 35 years until he had a stroke and he couldn't say no anymore. <laughs> yeah. He literally couldn't speak anymore. <laughs> so they're like, well, he can't. 
he can't tell us no. He's wheelchair bound. He doesn't talk anymore. So uh, we're just going to do it. He's invalid, as they say. Yeah. I-N-V-A-L-I-D. Invalid. <laughs> Flashback to uh, a very early episode. I couldn't even tell you which one it was. It was one of just Jones and I. And uh, when you came on the podcast, you'd started listening to some older episodes. And yeah. you're like, what the hell? You and Jones don't know what the fuck invalid means? <laughs> I'm like, because there was some description of somebody. It yeah. might have been talking about like house of the thousand corpses or devil's rejects it might have been one of those two talking about like the invalid i forget his name tiny 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 and uh yeah because i remember listening to it i'm like how did you guys not know the word invalid because i was like reading it and i was like invalid brother <laughs> what does invalid brother mean and jones like mm-hmm. yeah you're like uh, does that mean he's not valid or <laughs> he's just, like a bastard or <laughs> like illegitimate now i think like thinking back on it i might have heard it once or twice growing up but yeah. that was not something people said or used to describe such a person he's yeah. invalid they usually would say oh these it's an older term yeah he's not all there or he's mentally disabled or physically disabled you know yeah it's usually for people who are like wheelchair bound and have uh maybe like traumatic brain injury or something and kind of a you know can't take care of themselves mm-hmm. so learn something new every day invalid yeah it's a little shitty words that are like spelled the same as other words but they're have totally different meanings <laughs> and they're pronounced differently yeah oh well english language it really sucks <laughs> use your context clues <laughs> All right. So, hooked on uh, hooked on phonics did not work for you. And then what was the comment? Well, if we assume that the band leader is Chatham, yeah. What the hell was that comedy made about the drummer going home and doing like his little brown jug, and his wife doesn't like it? Was he just was talking a, about his drummer like going home and getting shit faced? And no, like, he was. Uh, that was the song they were playing. It was a little brown, a little brown jug. Okay, because right after that, he's like. Uh, he was, setting up, he like was doing it. like a little skit to set up the song. Okay. So I was trying to figure it out. I was like, so. I don't know if they had lyrics to that song at that point, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the song they were playing. And then uh, right after Prowler kills the couple in the gazebo, like it cuts back um, to the dance. And <laughs> Chatham's like, you alive out there? Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get some noise going on. Huh? Oh, man. If he only knew. <laughs> then it cuts to 1980. Yep. And we were introduced to Deputy Mark. And I got to ask you, when you're talking about in Jingle All the Way, how a little kid named Mark is a Mark, do you think <laughs> this Mark is also a Mark? He's Yeah, he's pretty, uh, he's a pretty shitty policeman, that's for sure. At every turn, he just brings Pam along for, and just puts her in danger constantly. Scene yeah. after scene. And then that there's one scene at the end where he tries to leave her at the dance and then uh she protests and he feels bad and he lets her come with her with him <laughs> again. It was like But he's always doing like some half ass just investigating and uh you know, looking for clues and then he's gotta go tell Pam what he did and then he like fucking redoes everything <laughs> he already did. <laughs> or he's just like missing obvious shit. You know. Breaking into people's houses without a warrant. They searched Chatham's house like two, three times. 
right? movie. They just walk into this guy's house without invitation. You know, why is he there by himself? By the way, Chatham. Like, does he not have a caretaker? The guy had a stroke. He can't take care of himself. Like, he can't move. I guess what his one arm works, but he can't like say anything or. I'm sure he can't use the bathroom by himself. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to a clip here. This is the sheriff talking. So this is Farley Granger. Um, he's talking on the phone with apparently like state police talking about. Uh, yeah, so there was a bur- uh, like a robbery at a store at a town down the way, and uh, somebody got stabbed. So state police was putting the sheriff on notice. But the sheriff's got more important things to do. Sure does. Well, Captain, if your men are after him, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Yeah, my deputy will uh, let you know if he sees anything. Mark! Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a good boy. Damn right it's my fishing trip. And if you bother me about anything, Bill, I'll kick your ass right across the state line, okay? <laughs> okay. Goodbye. I like I like how he talks about Mark like he's a child. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good boy. It's like he's your deputy. <laughs> right. Apparently the only one in town. <laughs> I guess it's a small town. Is it? Yeah. They don't even have like legit cop cars. They just have like uh like the sheriff drives a station wagon and then Mark has a like a Jeep Wrangler that they just put a sheriff sticker on the, <laughs> the, the front of it. But uh yeah, he, he, he's got to go fishing. He can't be there while the dance is going on because he, you know, can't be bothered. So we can, uh, I mean, we spoil this whole movie anyways when we go through all of this. But yeah. spoiler alert, yeah, the uh, sheriff is, we find out, to be the killer. Now, I think, well, obviously a big red flag is when he says, you know, he doesn't want to be bothered and, oh, you know what? Uh, if you guys got a handle on it, we don't have to do anything, you know. Yeah. Mark will let you know if he sees something. So he's obviously not too concerned about it. But um, when he leaves, when he gets out, we ask Mark to come with him to Kinsley's. Yeah. And you see he's driving a car that has wood paneling on it. Mm-hmm. When a scene shortly after that, the prowler is lacing up his boots. It's like close-ups, like lacing up the boots. Yeah. And it's two separate shots. It's... uh both lacing up boots, but like it shows it the first time. And I swear you can see him like, it's only from like the thigh down or maybe the knee down. Yeah. But since it's a close up, you can see, I believe he's standing right next to his car. Cause you, you can see like, uh, like the bottom of the car and then a little bit of paint. And then there's like wood paneling. So I was like, Oh, looks like wood paneling right next to the prowler's fucking feet. Well, they had a scene of the prowler getting ready in his bathroom, too, though. So I don't know if he went and put his boots on outside and then he went in his bathroom to put the rest of his gear on. Yeah, that was the thing, because it cuts away and it cuts right back right after, pretty much. Yeah. And he's still lacing them up, but it's the background has changed. It isn't because when I rewound it, I was like, oh, that's not the car. That's something completely different. Yeah. And then uh, so I think it's like both. Yeah. And he has a. Uh pretty normal looking bathroom looks yeah. a little feminine actually i don't think he had a wife though did he didn't seem like it and, uh he was just going fishing leaving mark in charge 
And Mark is not ready to be in charge. <laughs> but you can tell, too, that the sheriff's kind of an asshole because, like, he goes to the convenience store to get some shaving cream and deodorant. Mm-hmm. And Kingsley makes a pretty good joke. The, oh, yeah. the So the uh, sheriff, he goes to Kingsley's to get some uh, shaving cream and deodorant and... uh says uh kingsley says uh, you know anything else for you he says yeah i'll take some deodorant kingsley says no sweat (laughs) get it get it no sweat get it (laughs) he thinks he's a regular comedian over there well the whole time too kingsley's yelling at otto the slightly mentally challenged fella to go bring uh major chatham his uh supplies yeah, Otto's watching his stories though. He can't be bothered. He was reading his comic books or something, and uh, he's there like, was a. So it almost like was, a good part. It looked like he was reading something, and the TV was on. Maybe. So I couldn't tell if he was watching or just reading or both. But yeah. So, anyways, the the sheriff's kind of an asshole because these two girls come from sitting up the uh, the dance hall on their bicycles. They come up to the the convenience store at Chatham's or the general store. And uh, they kind of just brush past the sheriff as he's coming out and they're going in. And the sheriff goes to Mark. He's like, are they graduating this year? And Mark goes, yeah, I think so. And he's just like, (laughs) (laughs) Damn women and their Dear John letters. So uh, the war's over, dude. You can tell he's he's not the, you know, happy-go-lucky sheriff that you're used to in a lot of these movies. Yeah. But uh, so he heads off. Um Let's get to the dance. So Pam is there. She's like kind of help run things. And there's a lot of weird dynamics right. going on with like different guys that like Pam and vice versa. And uh, girls that like Mark and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, Pam, Pam and Mark like each other, but they keep on getting sidetracked by other people. They're trying to. I think Pam likes. It. I think Pam likes Mark more than Mark knows. Yeah. And he's just kind of oblivious to it. And it's just a coincidence that he kind of plays into it at times. Because there's other times where he's just like, just has no idea. What's the name of the girl that stops him to make him dance with her? She's the one that Ugh. dies in the pool later. Oh, I, I think that was Lisa that died in the pool. Okay. Because, yeah, Lisa's kind of a bitch. But, like, even She's before... really trying the- to take Pam's man from her. Yeah, even before the dance, they're all getting ready in their dorm room, and they're they're getting dressed. And uh, was it Lisa? I can't remember. One of them is getting dressed in front of the window, and uh, Major Chatham is his house is across the way, and his window. He's sitting in the window, looking at towards the dorm where she's getting dressed. And uh, one of the other girls says, "Oh, you're really giving the major a show," so she flashes him. <laughs> Yeah, probably the most action she he's got since he had that stroke. He might have given him another one or something. <laughs> I forget what she says. Yeah, but they all go to the dance, and then one of them's in the shower still. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Pam's going out uh, to go to the dance, she's kind of looking around because she's you know she thought she heard something, you know, weird. And then uh, the other group of people were just around the corner. And there's a guy named Paul there, and he just scares the shit out of her. 
And it was a pretty solid jump scare because like it just gets quiet and then they're focusing on Pam and she's walking backwards and then all of a sudden the guy goes ah just out of nowhere. So that's that's pretty good. From there they go back up to the shower. Sexy time. Yeah, and uh, so. The girl's in the shower, and you can kind of see through the shower door, which is, like, uh, fogged up or, you know, mm-hmm. not clear. It's one of those glass shower doors that's a little distorted. What do you call that? I, I don't know. If I knew, I would have said it already. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can see somebody's coming, and then all of a sudden the door just slides open real fast, and you think it's going to be the prowler, but it's not the prowler. It's Carl. And so... Uh, Carl's there to, to fuck his girlfriend, but he's got to get undressed real quick. He says, mm-hmm. uh, start the stopwatch, coach. Yeah. Yeah. Then the prowler comes out, makes quick work of Paul. Real cool. Like, I think that was a bayonet. It goes down through yeah. from his head down like to the bottom of his head. It would be at least a 12-inch blade. Yeah. Yeah. All the way through his head. And then he goes, and then he gets the pitchfork back again and takes it into the shower. Yeah. Now, these kills are... Then they hold up. I mean, you can, yeah, it's eighty or eighty-one, and it's a little fake. But as far as kills go, like especially with the amount of time the camera is actually on, like the penetrating, yeah, you know, they don't like metal quick into cut. the skin. They don't do quick cuts. They don't cut away. It's uh, pretty focused on the uh, the metal going through the body, and it really looks like he is kind of holding her up, yeah, with the pitchfork. Yeah, which is pretty pretty crazy. Pretty looking. solid. Um, so he puts uh, both bodies into the shower now, and then you know, oh Pam's at the dance. Yeah, you know, and she's trying to punch. get Mark's attention, and she's dishing out punch, and of course Lisa has to come <laughs> over and bump Mark into her and spill the punch yeah. all over um, Pam's dress. Yeah, Mark's over there dancing with other girls, like putting his hands up. Ah, what can I do? You know, I can't get away. So he spills on Pam. She's got to go back to change. And uh, she's just totally oblivious to all the gore that's just happened in her bedroom. Well, some of it was covered up. Some a of the blood bit. on the bed. You could see there was a corner of it showing because he had, like, put some clothes on top of it. Yeah. But she's not even, like, concerned that her friend has been in the shower for, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> she's like i'm just gonna close the door yeah Uh, and then inside the bathroom is just covered in blood yeah just the the other side of the door is just all bloody but it's all fogged up can't see shit yeah (laughs) and well she's like trying not to look in it's like covering her face you know Mm -hmm. covering her eyes up and stuff and she don't close the door so you don't you know she don't see you from there the prowler chases pam through the dorm because mm-hmm. he's still in the bathroom. And uh, so after Pam leaves, the prowler just, you know, pops out in the hallway behind her. Mm-hmm. And Pam forgets how doors work. Yeah, I don't get how, like, every door was locked, but, like, you couldn't unlock them. That's what it seemed like. Well, she was trying to get into the other dorm rooms instead of trying to get out. Mm-hmm. And like, everybody's gone. You know everybody's gone. They're at the dance. And then she's trying to get out of the exit that's on the second floor, and she just can't figure it out. And it's just a little hook holding the door shut. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's frantic, man. It's like, Leave her alone. It's like, dude's not even running. You could <laughs> get down to the ground floor and get out there. 
but true she, of pretty much every horror movie. He's not running. <laughs> <laughs> right. So she finally gets out from the second floor. It goes down a you know ramp or a stairway or something, and she's running through the yard. And for some reason, Major Chatham's out there in his wheelchair, and he just grabs a hold of her and like rips her dress. Yeah, because he uh, he can't speak, so he's just grabbing her like doing. Yeah, he's just like got a death grip on her. His one working. It's a stroke grip. Yeah, his one working limb. But yeah, so she runs away from him. Well, how do he get over there? If he only has one good arm, he just go in circles. I don't know. <laughs> Did the prowler bring him out? Like, that's that's the, one of the questions that I have. Yeah. Is how did he get out there? Because it was through the grass. So even yeah. if you had two good arms, pushing a wheelchair with yourself in it through the grass has to be tough. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be tough. And I don't think he had wheelchair ramps at his house. Because <laughs> it was 81 and you didn't need them. <laughs> And he lived in an old house, too. And then somehow Mark shows up. I think he went to check on Pam. And mm-hmm. he sees her frantic outside. And she's like, oh, he was chasing me. And then Major Chatham. And so Mark goes to investigate for about two minutes. Comes back. Investigates very poorly. <laughs> I found some wheelchair tracks and some boot prints. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> so it looks like somebody was walking and somebody was rolling. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the pro- <clears throat> the prowler must have pushed Major Chatham back to his house. Cause, uh, yeah, because he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. And then uh, Mark finds Pam's purse, gives that back to her, and then they go break into the Major's house for the first time. Yeah. And you want to describe his... Uh, his investigative habits as he's clearing all the rooms in the house, which we should point out is actually a museum um, in real life. Yeah. I, forgot, I have the name of it. We'll get to it in the fun facts. But, yeah, let's tell us a little bit about Mark's investigative techniques sweeping so, the house. Yeah. <laughs> so they break into his house, which was weird. He, like, lifted a, like a window that he slid up, but it was, like – a six foot high window that he, uh, he lifted like it was a garage door or something, which is weird. But uh, so they're in the house, and he tell and he brings Pam with him because he's a terrible police officer. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells her to scope out the bottom floor, and he's well, gonna, he hadn't given her the jacket yet, so be fair. He says, uh, you know, check out the first, you know, the first floor, and I'll go check upstairs. And he walks up the stairs. And at the top of the stairs, the first set, there's a door right at the top of the stairs, slightly ajar, light on in the room behind it, and Mark just fucking ignores it. <laughs> <laughs> just just like, no, no, nothing up here. And then he goes up another flight, and then he goes into all these dark rooms with the doors closed. It's like the camera didn't ignore it, because the camera's like staying on that door with the light. It even comes back to it later. And they show some flashes of the prowler in the house somewhere, and I assume he was behind that door that Mark just kept walking past. Yeah. The first time I watched that, I remember just being like, go in that fucking door. He's right there. (laughs) Or you would think, because they keep on yelling, you know, Major Chatham? Yeah. Like, you think Major Chatham would be in that room. Yeah, or something. With the light on. So, I mean, maybe, yeah, he can't tell you anything, but... (laughs) 
he could fucking write something down. Like I would think that it, that would be suspicious when the rest of the house is dark and there's one room with a light on. Yeah, how does he get <laughs> upstairs? There's no elevator in this place. I don't yeah, that's the thing. Uh I think we have a clip uh shortly after that uh scene that we just described where Mark actually figures out he can't go upstairs. <laughs> covered upstairs. Chatham probably hasn't even been up there since his last stroke. Did you find anything? Look at this. So what? It's the Major's daughter. Frances Rosemary Chatham. They must have called her Rose. And look, see, I found the pressed rose in the yearbook and the killer left behind a rose in her hands. Didn't you read my article? They never found out who did it. It had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. Oh, man, I don't believe this. You're talking about something that happened over 30 years ago. <gasps> Pam, the guy who chased you may be the one the state police are looking for right now. I said, let's get the hell out of here and go to the dance and see that everyone stays inside. Maybe you should call the sheriff. Thanks. I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't mean that. It's all right. <laughs> I didn't mean it. There's like, a, yeah, why why don't you fucking call the sheriff? There's a handful of ex- exchanges between those two words. One of them says something that offends the other one, and then they they just get super submissive, like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't I didn't mean it. Don't don't be mad." Such a roller coaster relationship between the two. So funny too, because she gets so offended that he didn't read her article. Like, yeah, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're already... He's he's a deputy. I'm sure he's, that's a small town. That's going to be a famous murder. Yeah. And a famous unsolved murder. So, yeah, he's well aware <laughs> that they didn't find the guy. Well, she acts like she's, like, just broken it wide open. Like, oh, my God, that's his daughter? And her name was Frances Rosemary Chatham? Like, how did you not know who the victim was? Just in case the audience wasn't picking up on the rose motif. Yes. <laughs> like, her name is Rosemary. I found a pressed rose in the yearbook, and he left a rose in her hand. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so keeping funny. the audience up to date. So good. What's going on? Why don't you call the sheriff? Thanks. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we know you're doing a terrible job, Mark. Just admit it. I believe this is where they decided they need to tell everyone at the yeah dance that they need to stay put. And it's also the same time that Lisa leaves to go take a dip in the pool. Yeah, so Lisa's boyfriend Paul is in the bathroom hugging the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she was already trying to get with Mark earlier. Yeah. And she's so mad because she's looking for him and she's like, oh, you know, when you're done throwing up, I'm going to go, you know, to the pool to take a dip so you could come join me so she gets out and then uh i don't what was the chaperone's name do you remember no but there's like an older teacher type person there and uh mark tells her about the prowler and she decides to make an announcement you think hello testing hello uh attention uh, could i have your attention please ladies and gentlemen um 
Deputy London has just informed me that a prowler has been seen around the campus. And, uh, well, he could be dangerous. Now, I know this won't be very popular, but I'm going to have to ask that everybody please stay in the building until we know more about this, okay. which shouldn't be too long, okay? So, everybody, just relax and enjoy the dance and the music. So, what... <laughs> Where to start here? Uh, what makes a prowler a prowler? Just somebody lurking around at night? I think, yeah, probably. So we're trying to find just an exact definition of a prowler. Just Google it. Prowler Wiktionary. How about that? One who roves about for prey. One who prowls. So, I'm like a stalker. Yeah. But it's like... Kind of a synonym for stalker. Yeah, I kind of heard the term, but I never heard prowler used growing up now it's possible it could have been used in the 70s and 80s but yeah. i just found it hilarious that she's like there's a prowler <laughs> outside and he could be dangerous it's like well you're calling him a fucking prowler then yeah. yeah he has to be dangerous otherwise it's just ted outside having a cigarette right <laughs> well and then uh so lisa got out and she's out at the pool and then paul tries to leave and what was funny to me was Paul tries to leave, and uh, the older guy who's chaperoning stops him and says, no, you can't get out. You can't get out of here. You can't leave. You got to stay in. And then Paul starts causing a ruckus, and then Mark comes over, and then the chaperone says, get this guy out of here. He's trying to leave. (laughs) 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 It's like like the old... uh, your punishment for skipping school is that you have you're uh, you're not allowed to come to school for three days. <laughs> so how is that a punishment? But anyway, Paul gets arrested. He gets taken uh, to the the sheriff's office, the sheriff's station with Mark and Pam, because Pam is the new deputy apparently. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lisa's in the pool, and the prowler is prowling nearby. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought it was funny that he's watching her for a while. And then she comes up to, like, get out of the pool. Yeah, she's, like, climbing up the the ladder on the side of the pool. Yeah, and as soon as she picks her heads up, she gets kicked right in the face, like, back into the pool. Which was pretty sweet. I saw, like, on the little fun facts that they had to kick her in the face 18 times (laughs) until they got the shot that they wanted. Which is funny that they actually, uh, they said they hit her with a a rubber foot. Yeah. Like, or it was, like, a fake rubber foot. But still, they made it yeah. sound like they were legitimately hitting her in the face with it. Well, it looked, it looked real times. enough. It looked pretty sweet. So yeah, even if it's a rubber... I mean, it's got to hurt. Because it, be, it had to look like a boot. So yeah. it had to be clunky and big. Yeah. So if it's rubber, it's got to be at least a little heavy. I mean, even getting hit with a, a boot by itself <laughs> 18 times in the face would not be pleasant. It's like when we talked about Jaws and that lady slapping Roy Scheider. Yeah. Like 18 times in the face because they couldn't get the right one, right shot. It's 1981. It shouldn't be that hard to show somebody kicking a woman in the face. I mean, it's 1981 here. Right. Let's not kid ourselves. People were pretty good at that on film back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. It must have been about uh, until maybe 1990 where they they stopped hitting women on 
No, it was, it was much later than that. Because <laughs> there were a lot of movies where you're just beating women for no reason. But, uh, yeah, that's changing now. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat. Unless you talk to Rose McGowan after she just saw the X-Men billboard. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways, so she gets uh, she gets kicked back in the pool. Just a fantastic shot, because it kind of comes out <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Like she's like, you know, what's the prowler gonna do to her? And then just all of a sudden she's getting out of the pool, and there's just a foot right in her face. Yeah, you think even if it was a jump scare, he just would have like stabbed her or like grabbed her by the neck, like, yeah, no, just kicks her in the face, or like dragged her out of the pool or something, or yeah. you know. But he dives, he jumps in the pool himself, and then he, he slashes her throat pretty deep. Yeah. It was like almost an OJ. And when she's like, when she finally dies and he lets her drift like beneath the surface of the water, so yeah. like the camera goes underwater and you can still see like, you know, the makeup on her, like the slit on her neck. Yeah. The blood it can still be seen like. At least the maybe it's just the coloring mixing with the water, but it looks like it was still kind of spurting out a little bit. I yeah. thought that was a cool effect underwater. Yeah, it was still pretty got sweet. It to look like that. There were a few air bubbles in there, but it was you could tell it was still bleeding out. Yeah. So yeah, Tom Savini, kind of the fucking man. There's other podcasts out there that are, you know, strictly just horror movies. You know, we're doing our horror extravaganza right now. Yeah. So we're horror movie centric until, you know, November, but you listen to any horror movie podcast, Tom Savini's a god, and rightfully so. His special yeah. effects are just groundbreaking, and they hold up. They continue to hold up to this day from the 80s. Yeah. And like like we said earlier, this is one of his best you know, works as far as special effects. It's just amazing. Yeah, I still I can't think of many movies that are... Like the kills are as as realistic or, I guess, uh, impactful maybe. Yeah. On the viewer, it's kind of nice to see a horror movie that, you know, will linger on those, those kills because they look so realistic, instead of like cutting away or yeah, just showing them real fast and, you know, you don't really see what happened. Mm-hmm. Um. So next at the dance, they had reached out to one of the chaperones and she goes out to look for lisa and she gets promptly killed herself by the prowler yeah the one that said stay inside <laughs> yeah she goes out by herself she said there's a prowler out there so she goes out by herself to check on lisa yeah and she gets uh, a knife in the throat and then there was another couple that went down into the basement looking for the uh the lost um mattress where the old janitor or whatever used to sleep yeah, because like, yeah, let's go bang on that. <laughs> That'll be romantic. And then you think the prowler's going after them, but no, it's just that old dude that was chaperoning the dance, just like jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't really show him jacking off. He's just yeah, they showed his face, like hiding behind like a, the shelves of cleaning products. Yeah, he was enjoying the show. So then it gets to you no, know, which happens first? Mark is like, let's go check out that dorm again, and. Kingsley showing up at the sheriff station. I think it would be uh, checking out the dorm again, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they go to the dorm and then Kingsley just pops in out of nowhere. At the sheriff station? Because they go back to the sheriff station. Because I think it's also when they bring Paul in. Yeah. Where did Kingsley pop in? Was he at the sheriff station? Yeah, he showed up there to 
complain about the kids in the cemetery. Yeah, because they were going to go somewhere else, and then uh, Kingsley pops in and says, hey, there's shit going down. Let's take a listen. Mark, what about Major Chatham? I'm not going to break in the man's house twice in one night. here now george left you in charge here can't you keep them kids under control what are you doing here kingsley it's that damn graduation thing we haven't had any trouble out of that college for more than 30 years and now they have to start that damn thing over again what do you mean there's a bunch of kids over there in the cemetery I know what they're doing in there. Yeah, what are they doing in there, Kingsley? Well, it was dark. I couldn't see anything. Well, if you couldn't see anything, why don't you just go home? Sure. But that gate was wide open. Sounds like Kingsley was just in the cemetery <laughs> watching kids and beating off. Yeah. So it really sounds like, I know what they're doing in there. Well, Kingsley and Otto are the top two suspects. <laughs> they were my first two suspects when I watched it the first time. Like, mm-hmm. It's got to be one of those two guys. Yeah, they try to make it really obvious that, hey, these are these they're are the guys you should be looking at. Creepy motherfuckers. And Otto drives a, a windowless van, too, so... Yeah, he's got the rape van going for himself. Um, so then they get to the cemetery, and uh, once again, Mark just bringing her along for danger. He's like, I'm going to go check out the cemetery, and you just stay right here in yeah. the car by yourself. So says, get in the Jeep and watch the road. <laughs> <laughs> Where is she going? Yeah, for what? She's just sitting there in the cemetery. Like There really isn't a road. They constantly split up. I don't know why they keep on splitting up. If he's going to bring a civilian along... Like to to try and find a prowler, someone who's killing yeah. young women. You should probably stay by her side. A prowler who's already chased her out of the dorm room. <laughs> yeah, he's dorm. already tried to kill her once. Yeah, he's just terrible. He's doing more terrible uh, police work. He goes and he he finds a a dug up grave and uh, he just jumps right in. <laughs> then he he starts poking around at the the casket. But before he finds anything, he's gonna go back to get Pam. But before he does that, Pam's sitting in the Jeep, and Otto just sticks his fucking head in the fucking window. <laughs> he pops out of nowhere. Hey, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he said it like that, but... Hey, Pammy Bear. No. I wish he did. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing here? Something. Some kind of jump scare. So, you kind of know, you know, Otto, like I said, Otto and Kingsley were the top suspects, but you kind of rule them out after... You know, the prowlers on the loose and they're showing up at other places. Mm-hmm. So, and the, you know, those fatigues, there's a lot to put on with that uniform. Yeah. So long it took to lace up those boots. Right. So, Mark goes back to get Pam. Otto just disappears into the night. <laughs> yeah. Otto's just running around this town <laughs> willy nilly. Like, where did he go? The town is his playground. He seems kind of like a, uh, you know, a charity hire almost because. Like I said, he's not. Yeah, the, he seems invalid himself. He's not the brightest dude. Uh, he might have some mental difficulties, but mm-hmm. he's got a driver's license because he's delivering groceries to Major Chatham. Yeah, but anybody could get a driver's license in '81. I mean, yeah, come on. So 
1980, I should be more specific. It's pretty high functioning, but there's obviously like something me. a little bit off. <laughs> there's something a little bit off. But anyways, Mark goes and uh, he, he brings Pam over to the, the open grave and uh, he jumps in like, I've never done this before. <laughs> yeah, because that's uh, it's Rosemary's grave, correct? I think they find that out later, but it's like not marked or somebody scratched the name they off. They scratched that part out, just the name. Yeah, I think. and they have like the, the the year of birth there, but the the year of death is scratched out. Mm-hmm. And he he opens up the casket, and Lisa's in there. Oh, snap. With the rose. Mm-hmm. So the prowler... Strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> Got her. Got her. Welcome back, Gotter. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Uh, Cartier. <laughs> so then, uh, enough is enough. Maybe we should call the sheriff. Oh, yeah. This, is my, <laughs> this might be my favorite scene. <laughs> So this is a clip here of uh, favorite non-death scene in yeah. this movie. Mark tries to Mark, call the the sheriff fish. by calling the lodge that he's at. Yeah, he tries to call the fishing lodge. Well, he does call the fishing lodge, but the uh, the receptionist, uh, if or the hotel clerk clerk, is uh, he can't be bothered. He's got solitaire in front of him. Yeah, food on his mind. He's a very large fellow. And looks to be lazy as fuck. And he just got there an hour ago. <laughs> Okoe Lodge. Could I please speak to Sheriff George Fraser? He should have checked in today. Well, I just come on an hour ago. Let me check and see what cabin he's in. He's not checking. <laughs> yeah. Look, buddy, this is an emergency. I need to get in touch with him right away. Uh, he's in a... Uh... Lake cabin number seven. Most everybody's asleep now. Uh-huh. Well, why don't I just run out and get him? <laughs> Can't be bothered. So you just got, like, a swinging door... Yeah, it was yeah, like it just uh, it's almost like a split door, but they didn't have a top half. Obviously, just it was a swinging door for behind the desk. Yeah, is all it was, and it was like a normal desk. It wasn't like a stand-up desk. Yeah, that hotels usually have. Dude, he's still sitting in there this whole time playing solitaire, <laughs> breathing heavily. <laughs> He really milks it, too. He, he does a good <laughs> job of making it seem like he actually left. And Mark's just sitting there just like, come on, guy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Got to slam the door one more time to let him know he came back. Cabin. <laughs> I told you I just come on an hour ago. I ain't seen him. 
know, a bunch of them were going night fishing for crappie up on the... Look, could you take a message? Yeah, I can take a message. Wait till I get a pencil. So He's got one behind his ear. <laughs> it takes him a while to find it. Yeah. It's such a, like an, the the scene is kind of out of place for the movie. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of funny parts more towards the beginning, but I think it is kind of a clever way to throw you off the trail or scent of, you know, the sheriff is yeah. the real killer. Because when you start seeing Otto and stuff, like it's, it's getting shoved in your face so much with like the evidence of these other people that are supposedly the prowler that you're kind of yeah. like, well, this is too obvious. It's got to be something else. Right. Right. So you're looking for people that you wouldn't suspect and like oh that sheriff he left town right so he's prime suspect number one and then you're like here because uh obviously you don't trust the hotel clerk when he says yeah he's, he ain't there because <laughs> he didn't fucking look in the cabin right? so you're like oh he is in his cabin and oh my god they aren't gonna get help yeah because the clerk isn't gonna put him in touch with the sheriff she's like oh the sheriff's right. he's out of town and he's you know, he's going to be no help. Exactly. So he kind of puts it, you know, the back of your mind. Yeah, you kind of think, you know, it's not the sheriff. He's obviously, he, he's up there. The clerk just doesn't want to do his job and get him. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a clever little scene to put in there to throw you off the side. I like how he got so offended when he asked him if he can take a message. I could take a message. Yes, I could take a <laughs> message. He wrote something down, but I don't know if it was... You know, call Mark Horn. All right, I'll tell him. <laughs> Real confident that he's gonna get the message. He ain't there. Do you know where he went? I told you, I just came <laughs> on an hour ago. He's probably on the still, still on the uh, same game as solitaire. <laughs> and he wrote the the message on his uh, like takeout bag. Like he had a brown paper bag. Just... <laughs> so basically the only thing left is pretty much when they go back to Chatham's house. Yeah. Is there anything else? Or how do they decide that? Because what they say, they, that's all they have to go on. Like, eh, might as well go back to Chatham's. That's all we have. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, I could play the last clip of yeah. before going in there. Because Mark tries to drop Pam off. Yeah. The Pam dance. was going to go to the dance and get something or check on somebody. And as soon as she gets out the Jeep, Mark just like decides that he doesn't need her anymore. <laughs> Why are we stopping here? I want you to go inside and see if everything's under control. All right. I'll be right back. Pam? I want you to stay at the dance. What? I'm going up to Chatham's alone. Mark, that doesn't make any sense. I don't want to drag you around anymore, okay? Drag me around? What are you talking about? I'm sorry. All right, that's fine. 
fine, Mark. You just go play sheriff, all right? <laughs> and then he just lets her get back in the car. Yeah. No words are said. She just slowly gets back in the car, and he just looks forward and like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> Which... They don't really have to drive anywhere because the dorm was right next to the dance, wasn't it? And Chatham's house is across the street. Everything was uh, definitely in walking distance. I think they were all side by side. Yeah. So like, the dorm was between the dance and Chatham's house, I think. Yeah. Well, I think Chatham's was across the street because it seemed pretty a little close. farther away. It was pretty close. But yeah. I mean, you wonder, Mark made the comments like, oh, I don't think he's been up here since he had his last yeah. stroke. But it's like he's clearly staring at the women in the beginning through a window on like the second or third floor. Right. So it's like, how is he getting up there? I thought it was funny, too, because when they got there, Mark just drives right on the lawn. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking asshole. Like somebody's got to take care of that. And you're just driving up, putting ruts in the yard with your fucking Jeep. Well, he's just trying to make more, you know, wheel tracks. Why don't you go play sheriff then? <laughs> oh, such a love-hate relationship between these two. So much tension. Yeah, so we get to the climax, and they, of course, decide to split up again. And he, that door is still there, still ajar. Lights are on. Until and, the prowler cuts the power, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. well, Mark walks right past the door a second time, or... <laughs> actually third time because he had to walk past it the first time they get downstairs again yeah but yeah the the lights go out mark gets knocked out yeah but he doesn't die yeah what does he get hit with because he doesn't stab him he just hits him i don't remember i just wrote that he takes him out yeah he kind of knocks him out with um do you have a shotgun at that point not yet i don't think maybe he got the shotgun from mark i don't know but he was going around stabbing shit with the pitchfork mm-hmm. and mark was like hiding under the furniture well pam is hiding under there was pam i don't know yeah one of them was hiding because he sees pam and he chases her through the house you know the power's off so she hides in one of the rooms which has a bunch of furniture yeah with, yeah um, like sheets over covering it and so she's hiding underneath like a bed that's covered in a sheet. Yeah, like. a bed or a desk or something. Something that's really low because there wasn't much clearance above her head. Yeah. So he's walking around. He's just going around stabbing furniture. Yeah. A rat <laughs> comes over by her face and she doesn't scream. <laughs> she tastes or she, she stays silent. <laughs> she tastes it. <laughs> Do you think I said she tastes it? <laughs> that's what you almost started to say. <laughs> she tastes it. She really <laughs> tastes that rat. <laughs> Oh, Stay silent. He's getting clo- the prowler is getting closer to her, and she finally just bolts. And then uh, she's you know doesn't know how to leave a house again, <laughs> so she's kind of stuck on one of like the floors by the staircase. Yeah. And uh, he's cornering her, and all of a sudden, Otto saves the day. Well, at what point did she pull the uh, skeleton out of the chimney? I believe that was before she went hiding. But anyways, yeah, oh, there's yeah. a. Rosemary's skeleton was in the yeah, chimney. We find. I out. have it. Mark got taken out, and then the skeleton came down, and then uh, Pam ran into the the prowler. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then something that I wrote down that I can't read. Anyways, yeah, you can see. So when he put 
uh, Lisa's body and Rosemary's grave. He took Rose out, put her in the chimney because yeah. uh, she saw her necklaces dangling was, from the bottom of the chimney. Why did he put her in the chimney? Yeah, we, it doesn't really explain much. A lot I of guess stuff. he just needed a place to hide her body for a minute. <laughs> like You didn't need to dig her up. Especially you would think <laughs> that he loves. I think digging her up would be a lot of work. Maybe he was stashing her so that he could take her home later. Yeah. So I was about to say, like, well, because he loves her, but, I mean, he did kill her. Yeah. So, <laughs> but he, you know, he killed her because he loved her, you know? Yeah. It's, you <laughs> Just know. wanted to stay together forever. One of those things. So, yeah, uh, Otto comes in and shoots the Prowler with the shotgun. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. But. Just pops up. Of course. Not surprisingly, the Prowler is not down for the count. That's as, right. As he immediately turns around and shoots Otto. Yeah. Oh, he's laying there for like five seconds and then he blows Otto away. As Otto's having this nice moment with Pam, they're like grinning at each other, like yeah. thinking like, hey, we used to think, <laughs> you know, you're a piece of shit, but you're all right. <laughs> you know, we used to think you were a raper with that Pam, but you just saved my life. So I think I'm going to, you know, be nice to you from now on. I guess having Kingsley yell at you all day probably <laughs> would make you a little ornery too. And then bam, he's gone. So she's struggling with Prowler now because they're fighting. Yep. And uh, the hood comes off. Well, she also stabs him with the pitchfork. Yeah. The pitchfork was broken off in the door because she wedged it to try and block him out, and he broke up in the door um, with the pitchfork. But, yeah, she stabs him with that as they're on the ground. But it finally the, they finagle, or she finagles the shotgun underneath his chin and blows his head the fuck up. Yeah, so they reveal that it's the sheriff, and she's like, oh, my God, and then she shoots him in the face. <laughs> yeah. which is really cool effect. Now, that is, like, the fakest effect in the movie, but damn, does it look cool. I, yeah, one of the fun facts was that uh, they made the fake head, and uh, the actor who's uh, played the sheriff apparently was claustrophobic, so it was really a challenge to get a mold of his face and his head. But they, they got it made, and then uh, apparently uh, Tom Savini again was the one. He pulled the trigger. They used a real shotgun yeah. and blew the fake head off, which, yeah, it's kind of fake because nobody's head explodes like that, but they really shot it with a shotgun. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, the effect does not disappoint. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Apparently only half the head exploded, but... Uh, it's hard to tell on Yeah, camera you can't tell. Because it's, it's pretty much gone. That's the one quick shot in the movie. <laughs> they do cut away real fast after. That's probably why they cut away fast. Yeah. But yeah, it still looks. But it looks fantastic. Fucking gnarly, yeah. It's amazing. Again. Then after that, um, it's. Mark shows up again. <laughs> yeah, Mark comes too. Oh, you, you <laughs> solved the crime for me? Thanks. Um. He's like from, uh, he's, he's like Scooby-Doo's, uh, he's like a deputy from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like, you need some other, you know, you know, teenager, young uh, group of kids to solve the mystery for you. We talked about in Jason Lives how, like, there's no smart deputies in any movie. Like, they're yeah. all idiots. Although, since the sheriff ends up being the killer, and the sheriff is largely non-existent from the plot between the beginning and the end. Yeah. It is Mark's show that he's running, so he's the main character. But yeah. as we've pointed out, he is not the sharpest tack. 
Right. And it's, uh, yeah, pretty common where just, the sheriff's deputy is just an idiot. Yeah, and it's like, I would say Pam is probably the smartest character, but she doesn't figure out how doors work in, like, in the house. But everything else, like, she's... She's like the best. That's not saying much for the the uh, cast of characters when she's the smartest one. Yeah. I'd say the sheriff probably was the smartest one. She's pretty courageous though too, and not just smart. Like she was like willing to go into danger the whole movie. Cuz cuz she wrote was dumb enough to let her come along. Cuz she wrote an article about it. <laughs> did you didn't you read my article? <laughs> I was thinking after this, did they ever see what happened to Major Chatham? Because there's some loose ends. It's a good movie, but there's there's quite a few loose ends. Yeah. Because they don't really go back to that couple that went downstairs and was getting perved on by the old chaperone. They don't really go back to them. And they don't really say what happened to Major Chatham. But, uh, yeah, like the, the reveal of who the killer is, that's pretty solid for a horror movie. Yeah. And what really sets this movie apart is, is the kills. And how realistic and gruesome and, like, yeah. like how how well they hold up. That's what, that's what draws people to this movie. That's why you should watch it. But yeah, there's definitely flaws in it. There's but. some solid jump scares, you know, false, you know, scares, if you will, where, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of get spooked and then, oh, it's not who you think it is. And it's just like somebody, you know, goofing on the, uh, the character that's in the scene. But yeah, that's really solid. The uh, phone call to the, the fishing lodge is amazing. I mean, if, if you just want to watch that one, <laughs> if you're, just watch that clip. If you're not, if you're not interested in the gory kills, the phone call is pretty solid. But yeah, so they all like the state police show up at the end, and they, they at some point they tell them that the uh, state police caught that robber from up in Columbus or wherever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Pamela ends up going back to her dorm. Shower's still running. Yeah. <laughs> still running. It's been like, what, 12 hours almost because it's morning. Yeah. And uh, she's like, well, what the fuck's going on in here? Are you guys, are, you're still showering? <laughs> she finally goes and takes a look. And uh, there's a nice little jump scare at the end with Carl. It's Carl, yeah. right? Carl suddenly comes back to life and grabs her. He's been hanged by the neck from the shower head after having a bayonet through his fucking his skull. <laughs> and uh and being dead for 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> but I like watching it the the second time here this week uh I noticed as she like goes into the the shower to, and sees him the first time like his eyes kind of twitch. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, and then he just like you know, reaches up and grabs her, which they just put that in there to put that in there. Yeah. I saw a little fun fact. Basically, the I think the director put it in as almost like a homage, a reference to Carrie. Yeah. Because that came out just a few years earlier. And that, that final jump scare at the end where she grabs her from the, I think it's from the grave. Oh, I um, think it's uh from the rubble of her burned down house. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but... It's one final, you know, scare to, to mm-hmm. go out on. And it, it is a little bit dreamlike almost. Like yeah. Maybe she, she could have been hallucinating it after such a traumatic experience, but. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of works either way. It doesn't really matter. It's just a 
yeah. throwaway jump scare at the end. And like this movie isn't, you know, super realistic in every way. And there's things that you got to kind of let go, mm-hmm. you know, say, well, it's not really, you know, I don't believe that. But, uh, you know, it doesn't take away from anything. Yeah. Some more uh, fun facts. Uh, the cemetery scenes were shot in an actual cemetery on Halloween night of 1980. And the open grave used in the film was an actual open grave that was awaiting a funeral. Ooh, isn't that spooky? Ooh. I feel bad for the people that paid for that plot. <laughs> like, a bunch of jackass actors desecrated. Like, why is that douchebag deputy jumping in my grave, you know, in my grandma's grave, you know, over and over again? Director Joseph Zito once told a guard at a movie theater where the film was being screened that he was the director. Uh, to this, the guard responded, you really did kill those people, right? God, people it's are the dumb. thing. Well, that, but like I mean, you it said, was... it looked really fucking realistic, especially back true. then. There was nothing yeah. like this. So I, I mean, that's still dumb to kind of think of like, oh, you just got away with murder, right? Yeah. Apparently, it's uh, been recently discovered that the Prowler was re-released to a handful of theaters in North and South Carolina as Pitchfork Massacre in spring 1984. It is still unknown who the distributor was or whether they had legally acquired the rights to release the film, which is kind of funny. And also, this film was originally released internationally as Rosemary's Killer, which yeah. is kind of a cool title, I think. Which I'm sure isn't, you know, trying to pick up on the popularity of Rosemary's Baby in any way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was, what, 1960... 69. Yeah, something like that. 68, 69, maybe. It was pretty popular. Yeah. While working on uh, makeup effects for Cindy Weintraub, uh, Tom Savini accidentally dyed her skin beet red. Took three days to wear off. (laughs) For all our New Jersey listeners out there, the movie was filmed in the city of Cape May, New Jersey, and uh, included a lot of the old uh, Victorian buildings. And the... Colonial Hotel, which is on Ocean Street, now the Inn of Cape May, was the location of the dance. Um, and the Emlyn Physic Estate was the home of Major Chatham. So that was the museum that we talked about. Uh-huh. Uh, gazebo scene was filmed at Seville United Methodist Church. And apparently the gazebo sits on the center of a small pond on the property. So that's what you're thinking about with the water. Yeah, and like almost like a like a dock that goes because there was a little bridge go out to the yeah. gazebo. Yeah, the uh, so yeah the shock ending where the body of Carl grabs Pam was inspired by the similarly shocking conclusion of Carrie, for what it says here. It is inspired, so I don't know if that's yeah. the director just paying homage or like, hey, we need a gimmick. Hey, that was pretty cool. Let's try that. Let's do it again. Let's do it. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting that uh, shooting the film special makeup effects would usually take a full day for each setup. So the uh, film's entire shooting schedule is built built around filming of the effects. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of a lot of work put into those effects, but boy, did it pay off. Yeah, that's kind of how the movie works too, because when you're done watching it, you're left with, God, those kills are awesome, incredible, and the special effects and the makeup. Yeah. There's some holes in the middle of those kills, but <laughs> all the kills are a set piece, right? And they yeah. kind of put all the effort 
and you know originality and creativity into those death scenes and then it's like well how do we get from this death scene to this death scene right well let's have them go here for i don't know i can't even figure out a reason let's just do it <laughs> yeah. let's have them split up who cares <laughs> i think sometimes you know going by that logic they probably thought let's have them split up and then somebody says no nah, it's not <laughs> <laughs> let's keep them together for this one why don't you call the sheriff gee thanks sorry but yeah even if uh you haven't seen the prowler yet um would still recommend you go out and see it because ruining the movie for you doesn't really ruin the movie. Yeah. Because the reason you watch it is to see those effects from Tom Savini. And even, you know, watching it a second time, knowing who the killer is, like, I probably enjoyed it even more. Yeah. You know, like, everything just hit for me the second time. The funny parts, the parts that weren't supposed to be funny but aren't funny, the scary parts, just everything, you know, was really good. So... Yeah, and, I mean, Joseph Zito, the director, I mean, he, I wouldn't say he hit out of the park, but another solid entry with part four, Friday the 13th. Yeah. This one with little Tommy Jarvis. Yeah, with uh, Corey Feldman. Yeah. Who's been in the news lately for old news. Yeah, Zito also did or directed um, Missing in Action. So for all you Chuck Chuck Norris fans out there. Red Scorpion, Invasion USA, Blood Rage, and Abduction. Those were earlier, before the Prowler, but yeah, he was in, uh, it's kind of the sweet spot, genre pictures of the 80s. Yeah. A couple of fine films from Joseph Zito. Any other closing thoughts? No, I think we covered pretty much everything. You know, a real fun movie. Uh, uh Fantastic special effects, you know, great slasher film for all you uh, slasher film buffs. Be careful for the prowlers outside. They could be dangerous. (laughs) They could be dangerous. Could be. Well, I think that'll do it. Let's see, coming up, I believe next week, Jones and I still are going to do The Witch. We couldn't last week because of, well, he went back to San Diego and I had to figure out some shit with my car. A lot of stuff going on, let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, we'll still be doing that. You and I might also do another one next week. We'll figure out what it is. But Maybe. We'll, we'll see. We'll be looking out for the, or I should just say, be looking out for the witch at least, because that'll be coming out. But uh, I think since we haven't done as much horror as we wanted to during our horror extravaganza this year, we're going to expand it a bit. We'll take November off, but then December, you and I talked about it. I think we should do all the Christmas horror movies. Yeah. So probably like Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, what was the other one you were thinking of? Black Christmas. Yeah, Black Christmas. Love that one. And uh, well, we talked about Krampus last year. Yeah. There's one on Stream Picks that I watched last year. I can't remember what it's called. I'll, I'll look to see if it's still there. We could do it a winter holiday one because there's a bunch of New Year's Eve horror movies. Yeah. I have like New Year's Evil is one that I haven't seen. I haven't seen that and one. And Terror Train is that Jamie Lee Curtis from the early 80s where she's on a train um, you don't celebrating say. New Year's Eve. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. Let me see if I can find that one that was on Stream Picks. Mm. 
Oh, regardless. Uh, yeah, be looking out for that. It'll be a fun, horror-filled Christmas. Yeah. But uh, reach out to us. You can follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie. Email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Suggestions, criticisms, maybe you want to point out a movie we should you know, break down or something like that. Uh, check out our website at www.wtmwatchthismovie.com and uh, subscribe. Please rate and or review on iTunes and Stitcher. I think I found it. It's called All Through the House. Okay, I, I've heard of that. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but... That one's... Uh, Is it decent? Interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> okay. Maybe, perhaps more on that later in december but uh if you want us to do all through the house in december you know hit us up hashtag all through the house hashtag we want the chad <laughs> hashtag wtm hashtag string lights hashtag strand lights <laughs> can't forget that check you later guess we'll see you around all right check you later bye, bye. Dork, man. What are you talking Chicky about? Chicky later. Chicky later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.